This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. You know, it's pretty natural in times of crisis in the church that people will start to speculate on whether certain high-profile public figures are the false prophet or the antichrist or whatnot. And so I thought this would be a good time to revisit the subject and very happy to tell you that one source that I'm using for this was uh, an article recently written by Father Dave Nix over at his Padre Peregrino blog, where he just presented a couple of quotes that I had actually seen before, and I think I've even used in an old We Were Warned video four or five years ago on the subject, and that served as a launching place for further looking at things that some of these bishops that are quoted in here have said about this, so we can actually talk about this. What is the ape of the church? Where does it come from? If you've been watching my channel for long enough, you've seen me use a term, ape of the church. And I have used it many times, and it comes from, well, a Fulton Sheen quote that I will be revisiting here in this in a moment, but also from Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich, who I would not be surprised if Fulton Sheen had read, even if he never quoted her directly. Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich had a vision, she had a series of these visions that were uh, written down by a writer friend of hers, where she described having seeing the Catholic Church have a false edifice built over it, and then behind that edifice, the actual church was torn down, and it would be almost completely dismantled before the false edifice would come crashing down. This was essentially a fake Catholicism presented to the world. An ape of Catholicism, an ape of the church. Ape meaning mimic. In that same way that the man of sin, the Antichrist, will be the ape of God. And so it's worth looking at what the term ape of the church means and what it really means in terms of concepts like apostasy in the church and in terms of the Antichrist, how this all plays together. So I'm going to begin here with Cardinal Newman, which I know many traditionalists don't like Cardinal Newman much because of his role in the development of the concept of the development of doctrine. But here's what he had to say about Antichrist, and I have all of his Antichrist articles in full on this channel if you want to uh, take a little deeper dive on this. But here's what he has to say. Quote, This is what I have to say about the last persecution and its signs, and surely it is profitable to think about it, though we be quite mistaken in the detail. For instance, after all, perhaps it may not be a persecution of blood and death, but of craft and subtlety, only not of miracles, but of natural wonders and powers of human skill, human acquirements in the hands of the devil. Satan may adopt the more alarming implements of deceit. He may hide himself. He may attempt to seduce us in little things, and so to move Christians, not all at once, but by little and little from their true position. We know he has done much in this way in the course of the last centuries. It is his policy to split us up and divide us, to dislodge us gradually from off our rock of strength. And there is to be a persecution. Perhaps it will be then. Then, perhaps, when we are all of us in all parts of Christendom so divided, so reduced, so full of schism, so close upon heresy. End quote. That comes from his fourth lecture on the persecution of Antichrist. The man of sin will arise in a time when the church is deeply divided. Like now. <laughs> I don't think the man of sin is imminent or nigh, but it will be a time when the church is divided, according to Newman. And it will be when that persecution arrives, that the adversaries of the church will take advantage of the, the 
self-imposed rending of the body of Christ, essentially, over some issue. Are we headed there in the imminent future? Perhaps. Perhaps not. I will remind you that things can get a lot worse in the world before we fulfill all the sorts of signs that we were warned about in Scripture about the time of the man of sin. But Newman lays the groundwork there. I think Cardinal Manning has said a lot about this himself. Cardinal Manning was a 19th century a 19th century cardinal of the church who ended up getting himself in a lot of trouble because of some involvement in secular politics he had where he was trying to motivate Catholics behind a political cause. It's an interesting story of in itself, though not entirely relevant here, but he wrote a famous book called The Present Crisis of the Holy See. And he has a lot to say on this, so we're going to begin here. Quote, In treating of this subject, I shall not venture upon any conjectures of my own, but shall deliver simply what I find either in the fathers of the church, or in such theologians as the church has recognized, namely Bellarmine, Lessius, Malvenda, Viegas, Suarez, Ribera, and others. First then, what is this revolt? Here he's speaking about apostasy as a revolt in the church. In the original, it is called Dera Noara, uh, an apostasy, and in the Vulcate, decessio, or a departure. Now, a revolt implies a seditious separation from some authority and a consequent opposition to it. This revolt or apostasy is a separation, not from the civil, but from the spiritual order and authority, for the sacred writers again and again speak of such a spiritual separation. End quote. So, what we're seeing here is the ape of the church involves a separation of the faithful or of an element of the church from the actual authentic authority. So what's the authentic authority in the church? You, your, your gut might be to say, well, the pontiff. And under normal circumstances, you would be correct. But who does the pontiff answer to? He answers to God, and he answers to the duty to preserve the faith in its integrity and in, its, in a holistic way, to not change things. This apostasy or departure would be a break from that, which many people say that's not possible for a pope to do that, but that's, again something not everybody agrees on, and I think Cardinal Manning clearly doesn't agree with that here, as he shows us here. Quote, The apostasy of the city of Rome from the vicar of Christ and its destruction by Antichrist may be thought so new to Catholics that I think it well to recite the text of theologians of greatest repute. First, Malvenda, who writes expressly on the subject, states as the opinion of Ribera, Gaspar Mellis, Viegas Suarez, Bellarmine, and Bosius, that Rome shall apostatize from the faith, drive away the vicar of Christ, and return to its ancient paganism. Then the church shall be scattered, driven into the wilderness, and shall for a short time, as it was in the beginning, invisible, hidden in the catacombs, in dens, in mountains, in lurking places. For a time it shall be swept as it were from the face of the earth. Such is the universal testimony of the fathers of the early church. End quote. Now here's implying that the it will be the Roman pontiff who will be driven from the Holy See. And essentially, the city of Rome itself will be in opposition to that. So what it looks like, but it's not actually what he's saying, because if you go over the actual of the saints he's talking about here, he says he tells us that numerous popes and the saints and these other scholars have written about how the church historically took on temporal power when the Western Roman Empire collapsed, and that this is then linked to various prophecies about the destruction of Rome as foretold in prophecy, including the book of the prophet Daniel, and numerous scholars of the faith saying the same thing, as well as the church fathers. Manning says the following in all of this, meaning when we're talking about Rome, we're not talking about just like the, you know, civil city of Rome. We're talking about the church itself will separate itself from the Roman pontiff at some point. 
quote, It was not the Roman Empire or Rome alone, but the kingdom of God which descended upon the whole earth, and from the day of Pentecost spread throughout the circuit of the Roman Empire, with an authority higher than the city of Rome. End quote. The church took on the temporal authority, and it was because the, church, the Roman Empire became officially Christian as the first modern confessional state for Catholicism. Of course, the Roman Empire would, at least in the West, would fall in the uh, 4th century, but that's another subject for another time. Numerous popes and saints have written about how the church took on this temporal power when the Western Roman Empire collapsed. That's something to bear in mind in all of this when we talk about the church apostatizing, when there being an apostasy in the church. It's worth noting here that those cardinals, many of whom would not be any kind of friend of tradition at all, like Cardinal Chiappi in the 1990s, when asked about the third secret of Fatima, he said bluntly that it detailed an apostasy in the church led from the top. Take all the time you need to wrap your head around that one. The warning of Our Lady of La Salette also applies here. Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of Antichrist. Now, we can do, do, deduce this to mean that the man of sin will appear in the flesh. He will take a faltering church already on the brink of apostasy and internal schism, racked by its own internal divisions, and cast out the faithful and set himself up in the temple of God, instituting a false worship of himself as he bans all competing religion, true or false. Now, with that rudimentary understanding, though, let's revisit my personal favorite quote. And this one comes from Fulton Sheen about the ape of the church. Quote, The Antichrist will not be so called. Otherwise, he would have no followers. He will not wear red tights, nor vomit sulfur, nor carry a trident, nor wave an arrow tail as Mephistopheles and Faust. This masquerade has helped the devil convince men that he does not exist. When no man recognizes, the more power he exercises. God has defined himself as I am who am, and the devil as I am who am not. Nowhere in sacred scripture do we find warrant for this popular myth of the devil as a buffoon who is dressed like the first red. Rather, he is described as an angel fallen from heaven, as the prince of this world, whose business it is to tell us that there is no other world. His logic is simple. If there is no heaven, there is no hell. If there is no hell, then there is no sin. If there is no sin, then there is no judge. And if there is no judgment, then evil is good and good is evil. But above all these descriptions, our Lord tells us that he will be so much like himself that he would deceive even the elect, and certainly no devil ever seen in picture books could deceive even the elect. How will he come in this new age to win followers to his religion? The Eastern Orthodox, before the rise of the hammer and sickle in that country in particular, used to teach the belief that he will come disguised as the great humanitarian. He will talk peace, prosperity, and plenty, not as means to lead us to God, but his ends in themselves. The third temptation in which Satan asked Christ to adore him and all the kingdoms of the world would be his will become the temptation to have a new religion without a cross, a liturgy without a world to come, a religion to destroy a religion, or a politics which is a religion, one that renders unto Caesar even the things that are God's. In the midst of all his seeming love for humanity and his glib talk of freedom and equality, he will have one great secret which he will tell to no one. He will not believe in God, because his religion will be brotherhood without the fatherhood of God. He will deceive even the elect. He will set up a counter-church, which will be the ape of the church, because he, the devil, is the ape of God. It will have all the notes and characteristics of the church, but in reverse and emptied of its divine content. It will be a mystical body of the Antichrist that will in all externals resemble the mystical body of Christ. But the 20th century will join the counter-church because it claims to be infallible when its visible head speaks ex-cathedra from the seat of the great bearer of the East, 
on the subject of economics and politics and as chief shepherd of all-encompassing rule of the hammer and sickle ideology. End quote. And that is the ape of the church. That is the church being set up by Antichrist, although I suspect it will actually be the finishing touches will be set up by the man of sin. After all, the man of sin, as Fulton Sheen tells us there, is not going to be so bold as to proclaim himself as the Antichrist. More likely, he'll be such a savvy, charismatic leader that he will find all the pieces he needs for his great evil waiting for him already to be finally put together in one last diabolical piece of, essentially, world-ending machinery. But that is the ape of the church. A false church set to empty the church of its divine content and have man worship himself. And in so worshiping himself, he is worshiping the actual devil. We were warned, as we say, Cardinal Manning tried to tell us, because it surely looks like we're headed down that road now. But maybe I'm a fringe actor in all this. So let me know what you think about this in the comments, please. I'll have links to some of the relevant uh, sources for this in today's show notes at returntotradition.org if you're interested. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.